the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Amen. You can be seated. In case you don't know me, my name's Kurt Lowndes. I'm one of the pastors at the Gathering Church. Welcome to this Christmas Eve service. I asked my girls, as I often do, what I should say to y'all for Christmas Eve. And all of our youngest said, the light has come. And Eloise added, and we're ready for the new year. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> While I appreciated their excitement and enthusiasm and anticipation of the newness were not there just yet. That's the season of Advent. We're not there just yet, but we're ready for whatever comes next. So here we are again, gathered in the dark on the eve of Christmas, on the eve of the birth of life, the birth of the light of the world. Our story in scripture, the story of the universe, begins in the dark. Earth was formless and void. Tohu vavohu, as the Hebrew says, wild and waste. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, but there in the dark was God. Father, Son, and Spirit were gathered, hovering, brooding like a bird over her nest, waiting, bringing life into the world. Light, God says. God is gathered with us here, hovering, waiting, ready to bring light and life into the world through us. This is what God has been doing from the beginning. And as I read this passage over and over, there were two things that stuck out to me for us. One, it's in the darkness in the wild and the waste and the chaos where God meets us. Where God shows up because God was already there. This message of peace and hope and good news that we'll hear later on only makes sense in the context of wild and waste and chaos. That's why we need good news. That's where God meets us. And the God we meet in the wild and the waste, is the generous giver of life. The Word spoke the world into existence and then stepped into the world, was born into the world, ready to bring new life. Sister Peg Dolan says, Each of us is a Word of God spoken only once. Your life is a gift. You are a Word of God spoken into being by the Word of God, made in the image of God, the good and generous giver. And this is just the beginning. But we're ready for whatever comes next, because the light of the world goes with us. Amen. The people walking in darkness 
have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Brody. I serve here at Oak. And I want to think with you a little bit about visions of God. Visions of God are common features of many religions across history and across cultures. And theologians in the academic tradition have labeled visions of God with the word theophany, which is just a Greek translation of God showing up. And Christian history is abundant with tales of mystics and leaders seeing visions of God. And these visions in which God is showing up overwhelmingly seem to involve light. Light is symbolic of God's presence, and darkness is suffering, abandonment, sin, or evil. But the way in which the light in these visions appears and how exactly God's presence is interpreted in it reveals much about how one understands God. The Roman Emperor Constantine, for example, reports a vision in which the light of God told him to conquer his enemies, expand his empire, and build Rome into an unstoppable colonizing force of earthly power, apparently under the sign of Christ. And Nat Turner, an African-American enslaved in Virginia, saw light out in a field and interpreted it as God's presence with the people enslaved along with him. And this motivated his rebellion against slavery. And now in scripture, Isaiah gives Israel the news they have been longing for, that those who are in darkness shall see a great light. In other words, God's presence is on its way. Now as to the form of this light or the manner in which this light will appear, it won't be a bright, brilliant sign in the heavens sparking an age of an Israelite empire. No, instead it will be a baby. The light of God that shines in the darkness of despair and sin is to be found in the helplessness and innocence of a child. Here, Isaiah could have said, unto us a great man is given. For this coming king, of course, will grow into a great man. And yet what we receive from Isaiah and what we receive from the Spirit in this text is unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Jesus is a theophany, a vision of God, and Jesus is God's kingdom come, and Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, but first he is a child. 
when ancient theologians commented on this verse, some of them noticed that Christ is described here as a child to highlight his purity and innocence, but also his meekness, his vulnerability, and his gentle, nonviolent spirit. We worship a king who is establishing and upholding the throne of David forever, but not in fear-mongering or conquering or force or intimidation, but in burps and giggles and dirty diapers and endless crying. It is in the eyes of a child that humanity first sees the light of God. And the meekness and vulnerability of a child would mark the kingdom of God forever. After all, the defining victory that gave birth to the nation of God was not some glorious battle, but it was a heart-wrenching loss in Christ's death for us on the cross. And now, because of that death, we stand in a very strange kind of victory in which the powers of evil have been broken by vulnerability, weakness, love, and the death of a compassionate God who is now resurrected and building his people, the meek, to become heirs of the earth. We stand and sing this next song. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, to be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was uh, said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Merry Christmas, church. Merry Christmas. My name is Elizabeth. I'm currently serving as the um, intern from Duke Divinity at the Gathering this year. Um, this Christmas season, I've been thinking a lot about angels. I realized how long, how all year long, I'm surrounded by angels. One that a family friend painted for me hangs in my room. One that my aunt and uncle got as a gift tag from Germany that I've held on to. Um, most days, including today, I usually wear earrings in the shape of angels. 
And not to mention, this year um, at the Gathering Church, our theme for Advent has been overshadowed. Based on the passage from Luke that was just read, where Gabriel, an angel, appears to Mary and carries a message from God that she will be the Christ bearer. While I've been surrounded by all these visual representations of angels and stories of angels, it wasn't until the last couple of weeks I had really given much thought to who or what angels are. As I've been thinking about this, I've decided that part of the beauty of angels is a mystery. Clearly, we are not supposed to pin down exactly who or what angels are, and perhaps that's the point. In the stories and scriptures, angels are not clearly defined creatures. However, what we do know about angels often points us to a bigger picture, the work of the kingdom of God. Fleming Rutledge, an Episcopalian preacher, says in a sermon about this passage in Luke that angels are mysterious servants of God. Angels are often written about in the Old and New Testament as delivering messages and performing acts on behalf of God. Angels witness creation. They seek out Hagar twice. They are there when God gives the law in Deuteronomy. Um, they are present when the boys and Daniel are being rescued from the fiery furnace. Angels are often carrying out the will of God. As we read this passage and this story proceeding about Gabriel visiting Elizabeth and Zechariah, angels are terrifying. They show up out of the blue, demanding people do crazy things. I mean, imagine you're sitting in the privacy and the comfort of your own home, and this possibly glowing, maybe even has wings, figure just appears in front of you and says they have a message from God for you, so go and do. Now, while my protective little 20-pound dog would probably bite the wing off an angel, and I would be convinced I was losing my mind, angels still appear in these visits to Mary and Elizabeth, and they're intrusive and demanding. In seminary, we are taught that it's hard to resist filling in the gaps of Scripture. One option in this story to fill in the gap is that Mary was more than likely not the first person that Gabriel appeared to, but what's important and is in Scripture is that Mary was the first one who said yes. She said yes to this angel. She said yes to God who wanted to dwell literally inside of her body. Mary said yes and sets the precedent for what it means to have an incarnational faith. With her yes, Mary is participating in the divine and in the holy and in the mystery of God because they choose to participate in and through her. She responds with humility and with astonishment, but confidently and unwavering assumes her calling. She accepts this intrusive invitation from God, not unaware of the stakes of saying yes to this radical and mysterious call, but trusting the God, the God who has placed this call on her life. The intrusive and inconvenient message of the, is not to be ignored. This message from the angel is intrusive and uncomfortable. But even more intrusive and uncomfortable is welcoming the incarnated God to earth. They're not expecting their Messiah to be in the likeness of human flesh. Their Messiah was not expected to dwell in the ordinary. Their Messiah sure was not expected to die on a cross. Now, while an angel of the Lord has never appeared before me and told me I was chosen by God to bear the Son of God, does not mean that we are still not receiving these intrusive callings from God. Not just Mary was called, the message of the gospel is that we are all called by God to do something that is more than likely a little bit out of our comfort zone. In the stories of Mary and Elizabeth, we lose our excuses to say no to God. Whether or not angels are human, they have the ability to fly, they still stand as markers in scripture saying, danger, God is at work here. 
And while it might not be in the form of an angel, God is still at work somewhere in your life. The birth and ministry of Jesus is proof. So I invite you this Christmas season to say yes to that terrifying and intrusive invitation from God.